0: Nurses and Hypochondriacs, the podcast that brings nurse experts, patients, and hypochondriacs together to discuss hot topics in healthcare. And here is your host, Ercilia Pompilio. Have you ever wondered what it's like to live in a haunted house? On this episode of the Nurses and Hypochondriacs podcast, I'm joined by my very special guest, Lynn Monet. And she's going to tell us about her experience about buying a house that turned out to be haunted. She's written several books on the subject. This is a super interesting episode, and you won't want to miss it. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode was brought to you by Rogue Nurse Media 501c3 and The Well-Written Nurse, empowering nurses and patients to tell their stories. Welcome to the Nurses and Hypochondriacs podcast, Lynn Monet.
1: Hi. <laughs> I'm Hi. Sorry. So we've been chatting. No, I'm sorry. Right. Um, I'm saying hello because something came up on the screen that was blocking me from seeing you. So I'm sorry.
0: Oh, no worries. No worries. So we have been chatting for quite a long time, but <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on the show. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I know- what grabbed me was that you lived in a haunted house, a real haunted house. And I read your book, Omnipresence. So, which was fascinating. And I, you know, and I was trying to intuit what was going on when I was reading it, but tell us a little bit about that and about yourself.
1: Um, I will. And I want to thank you so very much for having me. Um, I really, I was looking forward to this. I'm thrilled to be here. And to help, and hopefully, you know, to help enlighten people, there is another world around us that isn't always acknowledged. That's in a spirit or energetic form, and it does affect us in our physical bodies. And so, I'm I'm glad that you're doing this. I admire you for it, and I thank you for it as well. Um, I uh, I was actually raised in a haunted house. I um my first well, my my siblings and I had always seen spirits in the house it was like oh well there's the toaster there's a you know there's the door there's a car there's a dead person when we lived three short blocks behind a hospital that was connected with what was called at the time a nursing home now they're called skilled facilities but so we would see people in patient gowns walking through our house all the time and we didn't you know we didn't think anything of it it was like normal for us and Um, There was one time in particular that my brother and I were in my parents' master bedroom and I was in my mom's jewelry box, dolling myself up with her jewelry. And my brother was on the floor playing with his cars. And I turned to show my brother how how glamorous I made myself. And he's like fixated on the corner of the room where this, this uh, ectoplasma was starting to form this misting. So, I look to see what he's looking at. And all of a sudden, his best friend, John, then the mother, father and brother stepped into the misting and they're just like in there smiling at us. And so my brother gets up and he runs out of the room. I get up and run out of the room in another direction looking for my mother. And of course, he finds her first. And when they came back to the room, of course, nothing was there. And he got in trouble. And of course, I kept my mouth shut because I didn't want to get in trouble, too. So um Anyway, um, the very next day was a Monday. It was uh, the first Monday back to school after spring break. And my brother was at getting on the bus and his little friend, John, was not there. And then he got to class and he had he shared a desk with they had side by side seats and they shared a a desk in the classroom. And of course, and John wasn't there either. And after they said the Pledge of Allegiance, the nurse, uh, the nurse, I'm sorry, the teacher stood up in front of the class and told the classroom that John would not be returning to school because he and his entire family perished in an auto accident. Oh my
0: god, stop it.
1: The day before and it was that day that we saw him he was like coming to say goodbye. So um my mother my mother and father were not overly supportive of what we were seeing you know they would oh, you know the kids and of course back in the 60s it's not something that you talked about because um they would literally send the men in, in white coats to your house right. you know it was always the joneses the term for you know don't let the joneses find out so um when my brother came home of course my mother had heard because she was friends with john's mother they would sew together and do things together and she didn't she didn't quite know what to do about it. So she didn't really say as much to us when we talk about seeing dead people as much in the house as she did. But, um, I was seeing things up until about, um, 10 years old and my mother took a jaunt. We were, I was born and raised Presbyterian and my mother took a jaunt with the Jehovah's witnesses, which, um, yeah, (laughs) that's a whole nother show. But, um, So I was still seeing things and my mother took me in front of the elders and here I am at 10 years old in front of all of these men sitting there looking at me. I was, I was horrified telling me that I was possessed, telling me that what I was seeing was demons, telling me that I was going to die in Armageddon and all of these horrible things. And so I became afraid of my gifts. So even though I continued to see things, I didn't say anything about them and I would run out of the room just as fast as anybody else because there's a ghost you know so i learned to be afraid and it wasn't until coming forward with um purchasing the house that i wrote the book omnipresent about um that was so haunted that i was never able to move into it and um it put me in touch with people of like mind which then i realized that i wasn't alone and that my gifts yeah. were were not something to be afraid of and so i was able then to nurture it and to come forward the only thing that I I feel bad about is when I was little, I could hear them too. I not only could see them, I could hear them. But I kind of lost the ability to hear when I want to, I can still hear, but only once in a while, or when they really want me to, it's not something that I can just tune into. So I'm kind of hoping to get that still, still back, you know, with time. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and and I, we were talking a little bit before uh, we started recording and like for me, it's gotten stronger. Um, I think ever since 2019, um, like I can hear, um, I can sometimes hear um, or intuit off of the guys that I'm dating their children you know, Mm -hmm. especially if they're very worried or something's going on, or, uh, usually the guy has been, um, like one of them that I was intuiting very strongly, uh, the guy that I was dating was drinking a lot. I mean, he was just having a lot of issues, uh, personal issues and he was not telling anybody he was just going along like, everything's perfect. Um, and I was really strongly intuiting uh, his son. Like one day I was walking and and I was like, oh, that would be so great. You know, if he and his son could come out here and I, I heard in my head and Leo too, and Leo too. And I was like, who's Leo? So about a day <laughs> later, um, he sends me this picture. He's like, there's three little boys or there's three boys in the office today. He's like, there's me, his son and Leo. And I was like, who is Leo? He shows me a picture of a dog. And I'm like, you never told me you had a dog, yeah. you know? And he, he was like, well, you never asked. He's like, it's not my dog. It's, you know, the kid's dog. And um, I was like, okay. And, um, and I go, we need to talk, you know? And so then we had a series of um, these pláticas, which are, uh, it's just clearing a space to where anybody could say anything um, and he confirmed everything I said. And the kid came out loud and clear, loud and clear, and was like, he was nine at the time, and he was like, "Tell him to talk to me like a man," and it was so <laughs> funny. And I just started laughing. I was like, he keeps saying, he's like, "I do talk to him like a man," and I go, "Obviously, you don't." <laughs> <laughs> And they were being oh, talking this poor kid, you know, oh. and I go, you know, he's nine, you know, he should be talked to like it, like, like a kid is eight, you know, like a person. Mm-hmm. And Don't baby talk him, you know, and um, it was really interesting. So uh, that is very
1: interesting.
0: It was very um, intense. But yeah, the energy you put through, uh, and stuff like I have to really shut it down because I'll get hyper obsessed and hyper absorbed. And and so I really have to, I've, I've I've learned to shut it down and get a boundary and not put Mm -hmm. the energy in so that I can go about my day. And I was talking to you, I, I, uh, I was telling you about the priest who I consulted Mm -hmm. with, um and he you know told me the same thing because you know he has this gift as well and he can talk to the other side even though he's not supposed to so Mm -hmm. (laughs) he can communicate and um and he actually teaches classes and and uh has symposiums and stuff on this even though he's not supposed to which is so interesting but he was like you know teaching me he's like you gotta shut it down because you have your life too and i go Mm -hmm. and that that's very true so in your book about the haunted house, like, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, to paraphrase, it's like there was someone that was hung, you know, you, there was a lot of activity going on, you were getting scratched, and then there was like a wolf in the house. Yes. You had there someone were... come in to clear it, right? Me? You You had someone come and clear your home,
1: right? Yeah, but it didn't work, so. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah um, I, I, there were there were two demons and a young man that had hung himself in the house. And the thing about this house is that it was built in the nineteen seventies. So it's not always about the age of the house; it's about the age of the ground that it's built yes, on. A that, brand I was new house, colonial.
0: Yeah. For some reason, yeah. I kept getting colonial, colonial, colonial. But then mm-hmm. when I got to the nineteen seventies, I was like, wait a minute, you know? Yeah, so, which is interesting.
1: It is so. You if you could, a brand new house can be haunted if it's built in the wrong place. And that house, I was told by a a a woman that was a shaman. uh, That was one of the. She was American Indian. She was one of the last people that came to uh, try to clear the house. Um, She had made mention that if the house had been moved over just three feet from where it was at, that it would not be haunted because apparently part of the house when they were building it because there are ley lines and there are vortexes, there are portals Portals, and things like that, that, that spirits enter in through and that they travel through. And it was what she explained to me sounded nuts, but it sounded so nuts that it actually made sense with what I was dealing with. So um, she talked about how they were tunneling somewhere when the house was being built and the house kind of broke into that section of the ground. And, I can verify that because after she came to clear the house, she told me to go back in and smudge the house. And in the one area below, which is where the spirits hung out the most in the family room with the um, the, fireplace, the fireplace, which is what right. they entered in through, there was an area that came from the wall and connected with the ceiling that came out a good um, space that the smoke when I was saging it would not go in, it would flatline. I mean, it would it would go like a handlebar mustache. And I would even take my hand and push it up into that space and it would come back in my face. So it was where part of the tunneling was. She was right. Um that that, that had happened. And um, but uh, we only spent two nights there. Um, I never moved into the house. I did end up selling the house. Um, and for anybody that wonders, I did try to disclose that it was haunted to the people that did buy it. Um, however, they, you know, they felt that their religious beliefs and things like that, um, protected them. And that's fine because a lot of people it does, but they ended up moving out six months later.
0: Really as well. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. They didn't stay either. Um, and the thing was, is so many people had purchased it and left before I had gotten to it. That also, you know, when they did some history on it, but there was, you know, there was some evidence that, that maybe some kids were doing some things in the house that they shouldn't have been. There was the one room that was, when the carpet was lifted up, it, it smelled like like dog um, feces, and it looked like it had been smeared all over the subfloor of this one one room. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't know exactly what was going on with with that part, but. Um, how deep do you want me to go into explaining about the, the house?
0: Yeah, um that that's pretty interesting. So so what happened after? So it sold, you don't know, it just sold after six months and then
1: um actually um I after I was coming down the interstate and the, there was a backup of traffic. And normally I would have avoided that neighborhood like the plague, but it just so happened that it was the exit of on the way to that house. And I had to take a shortcut through the neighborhood in order to be able to get back on the interstate farther down. And it just so happened that I passed the street that the house was on. And I noticed that there was a sign out front, but because of the yard being rather large, I couldn't tell if the sign was in the neighbor's edge of the neighbor's yard or the edge of the yard where the house was. So curiosity got me, I went to the next uh, street, turned down, I said a little prayer for protection. You know, and also I was trying to be very quiet, because of course, I didn't want the people to come out and see me and invite me in because I didn't want to go in. So um, when I came back onto the street, um, I went slowly. And sure enough, there was a for sale sign by owner in the front yard. And of course, my heart sunk at that point, because I, I really had hoped that some of the work and the clearing that had been done might have had a delayed reaction and was effective. And I really had hoped that it would work out well for those people. So the street was a dead end street, and I went to the end of the street and turned around. As I'm coming back past the house, my radio of my car turns on full blast, and i couldn't I couldn't get it to shut off. I couldn't get it to change channels even. so, I sped up so fast, I left skid marks on the street getting off that corner and going around that yeah. stop sign, yeah, you know, plus. so to me, it was a like, a like them letting me know that they knew I was there and to have me know that they were still there. Now, the young man was crossed over that hung mm-hmm. himself in the house, so he was no longer there, but um, the, the negative entities were, in fact, still there, so as time, um, I decided, you know, just curiosity wise to contact the family that sold me the house, I figured that I could ask these questions now, because I no longer owned it. So they wouldn't have to worry about repercussions from me, you know, selling me a haunted house. And um, I actually track I looked through the, the county, you know, the records and things like that. And I found them and I Sent them a a a letter, actually snail mail, and a couple of weeks passed, and I finally get this call back from the man that I bought the house from, and I said to him, you know, um, I I wanted to talk to you you know about the house, and um, were you aware that it was haunted? And he says to me, he says, "Uh, haunted? What do you mean haunted? And I said, like (laughs) haunted, and he said, well, uh, I think that uh, you need to talk to my wife. And I'm like, OK, but the wife wasn't available at that moment. So he was going to have her call me back. And again, as you know, a little bit of time passed and I thought she wasn't going to call. And I get this call from her. And lo and behold, um, they were aware of the haunting. Their children, um, one of them was four in pre-K. The other one was in first grade. And at school, when the teachers would ask them to draw pictures of their house with their parents, you know, they, the stick people in the house, they would be drawing these pictures of their family, but off to the side were these three stick figure beings. And when the teacher and the parents would ask them what, who those were, you know, what family members were those, they said that those are the monsters that live downstairs in our house. Wow. So these kids were also um, showing up with unexplainable bruise marks, scratches, bite marks, which my son also got in the house in three different places on his legs after we spent the second night there. Um, So, you know, she made mention that it almost caused them to divorce because the husband was working the night shift. And even though she she worked for a bank, so she left, um, you know, to or not, he worked for, you know, one of them worked for Walmart, one of them worked for a bank, but he was working the night shift. And so it would knock on the door and mimic her voice, wow. in the middle of him trying to sleep, and he would become t- upset and he'd come out of the room, you know, and all of a sudden he'd find the kitchen sink water running. Wow. and he and he thought that she had left it running. You know, it wasn't running full blast. It was running like like a stream. You know, type thing. So he would get mad at her and they would fight over, it. you know, I didn't turn on the water. Maybe the kids did, but they can't really reach the kitchen sink, you know, without the step stool kind of thing. So this kind of thing happened. And it wasn't until he was laying in bed one evening, one um, afternoon, kind of getting ready to wake up and he felt something crawl into bed with him. Oh. And he thought it was her. And when he rolled over, there was nothing there. But he could see the indentation in the bed, and it freaked him out. And, of course, um, they left. But it got to the point where they were almost ready to divorce. And so she took the kids and went to her parents' house to stay and left him in the house. And that's when that event happened where that thing crawled in bed with him. So um, he ended up at the parents' house, too. And um, the thing about it is, too, is at the time that I purchased the house from them at the closing um, they showed up about two hours late. And she told me, she said, the reason why we showed up two hours late is because i was when I found out that you had children, I was arguing with my husband because I didn't want to sell you the house, you know, knowing that you had kids. And she said, and and that's why that's why they were late. So, um yeah, it, she confirmed that there, you know, and she kind of told me some other things that had happened. You know, with them things that the kids would talk about and stuff like that. But yeah, definitely. But the ironic thing was, is that whole area, East Flat Rock, that whole area is haunted. Wow. Um, type thing. I um had a had a lady that um was a real was my insurance broker, and when I came back to her to say, listen, I need to put insurance back on the place that I'm living and take the insurance off of the place that I bought. You know, she was asking, "Oh, well, you were so excited about that house. What happened?" And I told her the story. And her um, her mother walks into the room because she was kind of a younger lady. Her, her mother walks into the room and she's listening, and she says to me, "She says when you're finished, I've got a story to share with you." But keep wow. going because she wanted to hear it. And this, uh, she was telling me a story about a uh, a friend of hers that bought a house in East Flat Rock that um, she and her new husband, she had been in an abusive marriage and she met this wonderful guy and they got married and they bought this house. And um, they kept hearing sounds in in the um, overhead in the attic. So of course they had it checked for rats and they had it checked for, you know, different things. And um, the lady was telling me that she was at their house one day and she was in the bathroom. Um, Her friend had called her and asked her to, to They get a table for the foyer. She was going to the store to pick it up. And even though it wasn't heavy, it was cumbersome. It was kind of long. And so the the mother agreed to go with her and they went to pick up the table. When they brought it back before they carried it in, the mother said, can I go use your bathroom? And she then heard the walking overhead and she even came out and she said to her friend, she said, were you in the house just a few minutes ago? And she said, no. And she said, well, you've got you've got a bad problem in your attic because it sounds like something's walking around up there. And she said, Oh, we know, you know, we've had the, uh, the uh, pest control and everything come. And then she said um, that they took the couch in and she was invited to stay for dinner. And when the husband came home, she was sitting in a couch with her back to the window and he was in a couch that faced hers and he had his arm up on the uh, back of the couch while they while the friend was fixing dinner in the kitchen, and um she said that all of a sudden he looks at his hand on the back of the couch. So she looks at the back of his hand, and his wedding ring came off, dangled in the air, and dropped to the ground. And oh so, um yeah, and yeah, and so, um, I mean,
0: just gonna plug the, my thing in real quick. I yeah, you go ahead. See, the spirits can't get me. I'm too stabbing for them.
1: I'm like, there you go. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. I mean, and then yeah. a lot of other people started to come and, and tell me, but and that's in my second book, um, Omnipresent, What Happened Next? Because everybody wanted to know what happened. Yeah, know, what happened next? next. Yeah. yeah, and so um, I had, um, with my abilities of second sight, I can see attachments on people. I can, you know, different things like that. I had a, I had a, I had gone back to school to further my nursing degree. And um, we had a rotation through the psychiatric ward of a facility. And um, I, uh, I had gone there with eight different nurses and I had the teacher with us as well. And we were all standing there waiting for her to get our assignments for us and to come back out And this young lady who appeared to be about early 20s, kind of ashen skin, very, very short hair. She was wearing like a, t- a tank top, but with spaghetti straps and it, her midriff was showing and she had on short shorts. And the area that we were in was the intake area. So we even had to sign papers that if we got hit or bitten or something got thrown at us, right. that we wouldn't hold the facility responsible But um, this young girl, she comes up and she points at me and she says, you can help me. I know you can. And of course, I'm hoping that she's not talking to me. You know, I I didn't want to be singled out as the weirdo, you know. So and the teacher came by and ushered us out and told us not to make any eye contact. But then I got placed back in there with another nurse and we're sitting. They had uh, picnic tables that were bolted to the floor. And the other nurse and I were sitting there, we were doing our charting and the young lady comes over and she sits with us and she starts telling us about all of the life things that had happened to her to lead her to this point. She had been molested by a priest. She had been raped by her stepfather. She had run away when she was 16. Um, she had started uh, practicing devil worship and realized that that wasn't the thing for her either. And so, um, She was, she's sitting there and she's just covered in these scratches everywhere. And the thing is that she, I mean, they were coming out of her nose, out of her ear, angled on her back in such a way that there is no way that she could have done that to herself. But they were saying that she self-inflicted it. And she was even told me that one of the voices that she hears has a very long nail and it was scratching the inside of her female parts. And they were claiming that all of this was self-inflicted. Now, I recognize these claw marks because in the house, the, first, the, the house that I bought, my best friend was clawed to the point of bleeding on her back and her stomach by a demon while I stood next to her in the kitchen of that house. And the claw marks looked the same as what she got. So I'm looking at her and I'm like, oh, my God, you know, these are t- these are demonic um, claw marks. And the thing is, too, is they were really demons in the house. A lot of times, people, if they have a ghost in their house, the first thing that they assume is that they have a demon. Ninety-nine percent of the time, it's not a demon. Exactly. You know, it's something else, but that's the first thing that comes out. But these were demons. So, um, anyway, she was. They have periods of time where they go into class. You know, like classes with other people, or else they have time with their their social worker or their the psychiatrist that comes in. And she was called away, and as she got up to walk away, she had attachments on over each shoulder. It almost looked like she was carrying two clear bags with these heads, and some of them were inverted as she walked away. And I'm like, "Oh my God!" You know, she really is hearing voices—twenty-five different voices. She's there. She's got attachments on her back. Mm-hmm. So um, she had then come back from her her meeting and I went to her room and I knocked on the door frame and she invited me in and I said to her I said look I said I believe that you are hearing 25 different voices I said but if you you know if you repeat this they're going to think you're crazy and keep you here longer right you know so I said um you know you you do you've got attachments on your back and the way that they were attached is there was this it was like a it connected up underneath her arm and just at the top of her shoulder. It didn't go all the way around. And it looked like a twisted vine, but was looked like it could be hollow like a horn kind of thing. And it was it, And so as she turned to walk away from me, I just stuck my fingers under and pulled it off. And, of course, these grape-like clusters, but they were as big as potatoes, started to fall to the ground. Oh, wow. And I'm trying to stomp them into the ground. And some of them did roll away. But I told her, um, I said, you know, I have taken some of these off of you. And she said she didn't know that I was taking them off when she turned to walk away. And she said, it felt like you were pulling grass off of my back. But I told her, I said, look, this is a temporary fix. Some of them have rolled away near your bed. They can reattach. I said, so when you get out of here, you need to go and find someone that can help you remove these, not only off of you, but anywhere that you're living or, you know, in your in your room near your bed sort of thing. And so um, she did. And I actually ran into her in a Walmart about a year later. I was in there shopping for candles and I see these two women at the end of the uh, aisle kind of whispering to each other. And I'm like first checking myself for toilet paper on my shoe and to make sure my zipper was up. But then she says, I know that that's her. And I thought, Oh, well, maybe she's read my book, you know, it's a fan. So she comes over. Yeah. So when she comes over, she's this slender blonde, little Bob makeup on and she looked familiar, but she looked so different because she wasn't being drained by those attachments. And she said to me, she said, do you remember me? And I'm like, did you look really familiar to me? And she said, you're the nurse. You're the nurse that helped me. Well, she was no longer on her schizophrenic medication. She was now on a low dose of an, anti-anxiety meds as needed. And she was in her second year of going to school to become a dental hygienist. Oh,
0: that's awesome. Yeah.
1: So, you know, these attachments, these things, um, in, in her case, they were disembodied souls that were just t- attaching for a free ride. Um, but Usually, when people have those attachments, there's usually some other darker element that's kind of controls over them, right? Which is why they remain attached and why they don't, you know, leave and cross over. But um, in that facility, also uh, walking through, I could pick out the people that had addictions, right? Because they also carried, I call them an archon. I don't know if that's a name that I made up for them or whatever, but I call them an archon. They look like spiders, crabs or reptilian type lizards. Sometimes mm-hmm. the lizards have a human buttocks. Sometimes they have a tail that curls like an alligator off to the yeah. side and they fit like neat little backpacks. And the thing that's very distinct about them is that they have a head that's much smaller than the body. Um, the, they usually attach, whoop, excuse me, my headband's falling off here. Let me fix my headband. <laughs> Sorry. Hair fix. Okay. So anyway, um, they, um, Oh, what was I saying? Oh, so they, they attach on people. Um, Archons are something that's usually invited. Of course, when people get into their addiction, they're welcome, they're opening that door for that window to, um, you know, to, uh, to happen. So the, and the thing is, is I can help remove like the, the, um, The soles off of the girl's back, but I'm sorry, my head being slipping off again, and my this isn't good. Okay, good. All right, sorry. Anyway, you can edit this part out, but um, if you want to, but in the case of archons, the person has to remove them themselves, and they need to understand that with archons, they never leave. They will detach once the person has cleared up their addiction but they're constantly talking in their ear trying to encourage the person to trip up and start that drink again because they feed off of the rippling effect that the addiction and as well as the the rippling effect that it creates into the family into the community into right. their job you know all of that, that and chaos. they feed off of it yeah. exactly and they've got a good thing going so um you know they may as well uh You know, they try to get back on there, which is why it's important for people to follow up with care when they've had an addiction and continue their AA meetings and things like that for support.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So
1: um, also with that, I, with my ability to have second sight, I can see dead people and it's amazing how many people with addictions, like even cigarette smoking, how many dead people are standing around them or people in a bar dead people standing around them just trying to get into or smell that drink or fumes or whatever some of them will enter into the body to actually have that high and i and i say smell not because they have an olfactory nerve they don't they can't smell like we smell but it's a memory recall thing and then they're in the element so when my mother passed away, she comes through frequently. And I, there, and she said to me one time, um, you know, I, I had asked her, I said, oh, mom, I said, don't you ever miss the taste of the potato salad that you used to make or brownies? And she comes back like a megaphone in my, my head. And she's like, well, we don't eat here. And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah I know. She says, but we do everything by thought. So if we want to go somewhere, we just think of it and we just go. She yeah. said with food, if we think of it, the sensation and the flavor comes to us as if we are enjoying it and eating it. So that's the same effect. I explained that because that's the same effect with the addiction and the souls still lingering around. I remember one time I walked into a, um, a sports pub. This headband is not going to stay on. So for whatever reason, I don't want to pull it off in the middle of the show. But um, you know what? I'm just going to pull it forward. there we'll just do that and see if it stays on now so um anyway um going into a bar one time uh, I went in and there was this couple sitting at the bar getting romantic with one another and there was this spirit that was headless and he was holding his head on the bar and his nose was like she had a rock glass with something in it and the nose was like wiggling and sniffing and trying the fumes of the drink so and and um You know, and that happens. And a lot of times, too, people, they choose not to cross over because of their addictions and things like that, too. And it holds them earthbound. Not always, but sometimes they choose that. And um, and once they cross over, they get help with that addiction. They don't need to come back and smell it or whatever. I had a, um, at the time of death, people have the opportunity to either choose to cross over or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a for instance in nursing, I was in a hallway with my med cart, and uh, I had a, a patient that was actively transitioning. So, of course, her loved ones and angels and beautiful beings, and uh, there were some other beings there also that um connect the galactic things too, also. So, um I'm I'm looking and there's this pillar and, and a lot of times souls that are earthbound will come around because they're curious at that time. Yeah. And there was, there was a man that it was, he was peeking around this pillar and I said, hi, you know, and he's kind of looking over his shoulder because nobody, you know, talks to him or sees him. And uh, I said, no, you there, I said, why haven't you, you know, crossed over And the way that I see spirits is out of my peripheral vision. I can see them as clearly as I can see you. Mm -hmm. Um, As I, If they're at a distance, they look opaque to me. Like, for instance, like when you're walking up to a plate glass window in a mall from a parking lot and you see your reflection, they look like that to me. But when they're very, very close to me, I might see a lower half, but I'll see this waffling to the air, like if they're standing right here type Mm -hmm. thing. So an energetic thing so that I know that they're there. So when he came up towards my med card, he was kind of standing off to the side. He was a handsome man. He looked to be about 35 years old. He had this very heavy Irish brogue or the red hair. He appeared to be maybe from the 1800s or early 1900s. He was dressed nicely. You could tell that he was maybe middle class, upper middle class because of the way that he was dressed. And he had a area on his abdomen that appeared to me like Swiss cheese, which indicated to me that he either passed a corrosive disease like cirrhosis of the liver or cancer. And that's one thing too, they do still show their cause of death when they haven't crossed over. But I asked him, I said, so, you know, why haven't you crossed over? I can help you cross over. You know, this lady's getting ready to pass and her family's here and I can hook you up basically, even though I didn't need to hook him up for him to go. I just didn't, you know, wanted to let him know that he wouldn't be alone if he wanted to, to jump in with this. And he told me, he said, me lady, I can't cross over. And I'm like, oh, well, sure you can. Why Why not? And he said that his girlfriend and his mistress were on the other side. And neither one knew about the other.
0: I know. So he oh, my ch- God. Yeah. That's so he chose.
1: Yeah. He's like, I'll stay here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had chosen to stay earthbound because he didn't want to face his infidelity, you know, so a lot of spirits will stay earthbound for, uh, for many, many reasons. So yeah, that's in my second book.
0: Yeah. That's so excellent. I want to talk about attachments a little bit. I, um, okay. my last home that I was living in because, It was a townhome. There were so many units. I think there were about 58 units attached. There was just so much stuff coming in and out. And a lot of the people that lived there were not such great people. And where I lived, I was in the media center uh, of Burbank. So there was Mm -hmm. satellites all over me, you know, which was a lot of electromagnetic energy. As well as there was a radio station down the street, which I didn't even know. Um, I found this out really in 2018. I, I my attention was brought to it uh, mm-hmm. because I had a, I had an astrological reading, and I was, you know, discussing with the guy. I was like, yeah, I can intuit these things, and sometimes I hear things in my head, and then I'll see them on my computer or i'll watch them on tv and so Mm -hmm. then he's like oh it's kind of like that movie with jodie foster that ufo movie you -hmm. know uh and i'm like oh so i went to go watch it and it's all about satellites you know Mm -hmm. and it's called contact and i started to look around me and i was like oh wait what the hell i I was like well no wonder no wonder Mm -hmm. this is going on no wonder there's so much craziness and my neighbors that I had next door to me, it was a rental and the people next door were just always crazy. Like it was, it, this family had moved in and they were like this perfect, cute little family. And I guess the parents were born again, Christian. Yes. And it was like, the little girl was a ballerina. The boy was a baseball player. It was this perfect family. Mm-hmm. Seven years later, when they move out, they were a hot mess. The, the son oh, was wow. demonic, like music, like really bad rap music and you could tell mm-hmm. the tonation the frequency was really low he got into drugs really hardcore the little girl i would see her i guess she was like a, a teenager with her daisy duke shorts and some dudes would be picking her up on the the sidewalk the parents oh, wow. were always fighting with bible verses it was bizarre you know so they so they left so then another family moved in And they were again crazy. And I was just like, what the hell is going on here? Mm -hmm. So they would also they had so many attachments, these people that would come in that they would see me and start screaming at me, nobody likes you, nobody likes. And I was like, That's something you would tell a child. This is so who cares? All I wanted was peace and quiet, you know. Anybody now my home I always cleared it I kept it clear, you know, and it was a lot of work to keep clear, you know, I had, it it was a lot of work, anybody that would come to my home my friends would love it. They're Mm -hmm. like wow the energy just feels so good here it feels so peaceful, even my Mm -hmm. cousins that would come from Italy. They were like, why are you selling this place? It's such a, it's in such a great location. It's so peaceful when you come here. I go, because the people keep getting crazier and crazier next door to me. And I keep getting Mm -hmm. attacked more and more and more, you know, and nobody was helping me. The police wouldn't help me anymore. The, the managing company wouldn't help me anymore, you know? So Mm -hmm. these people that were next door, the woman that was there she was African-American. She started calling me racist and she started screaming at me. Her kids Mm -hmm. were always screaming and stuff. It was just, they were chaotic, right? There were six people Mm -hmm. looking at me. And so one day she would start saying things like, I rebuke you. She would start calling me Satan and saying, I rebuke you, Satan. So I just looked at her dead in the eyes. And I was like, if you're calling it, you are it. Mm -hmm. And she just flipped out. Oh, my gosh. She went ballistic. And that's how I knew. I go, this woman's got attachments on her, you Mm -hmm. know. And her husband was always waiting for me at my car. It was just weird. Like, he had Mm -hmm. one of my cousins was staying with me once, and he had followed my cousin out. And I was just like, all I wanted, they were crossing my boundaries with their stuff. Their stuff was crossing over to my side, and they were being loud, Mm -hmm. you know. And that's all, you know that's all I complained about. All right. And mm-hmm. keep your stuff on your side, whatever. I go to, um, Sal, the witch, Sal's been on the show. Uh, he owns a, a store in Burbank called the crooked path. So I went to him and, uh, he's also, he's an Italian witch from Salem. And I was like, listen, do you have anything? <laughs> <laughs> Cause I've tried the police, the HO, nobody helps me you know, and yeah, I have to sell, but I am not ready to sell and I shouldn't have to deal with this. The next thing was I was going to go to court and try to do something, but, shh, you know, so for 25 bucks, he's all like, here's some, can-. He, he makes this concoction for me, gives me some candles, goes home, tells me to go home, meditate on it, put my intention down and stick it in the window. Do you know that for two years, these people never crossed my path? they live right next <laughs> I never saw them. I never saw their faces. They kept away from me. So then all of a sudden, right before I started to getting ready to sell, which was last year around Mother's Day, I started to get attacked again. Like they were coming and banging on my door oh, really, no. and I, it was just really bad, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um so I went back to Sal and I was like, "Hey," he goes, eh, "Sometimes you got to redo it." He goes, "But there's something going on with you." He's like, what is going on with you? And I was working at a really busy clinic, you know. Um, I was covering two clinics, I was exhausted. I was seeing about 40, 50 kids a day, which I don't do anymore. You know, that was back mm-hmm. in the day. And I I just was trying to help this doctor out, which she didn't care. And, and it was a very low vibration area, very mm-hmm. low vibration, you know, like I was getting a lot of kids that who we're abused, been taken away. We're living in foster care, you know, just a lot of that. So that I was dealing with. And so I go, that has to be it, you know, cause my family life is okay. Everything else, your friend life is okay. So this is the only thing that I, that, that is making me probably weak in a sense, you know, cause mm-hmm. my home is the only place I could rest and recuperate and I can't do that. So he gave me uh, some other candles. I redid it, you know, helped a little bit. And then so I started to see, I started to do some research on this woman because she would always scream at me, you know, and and yell these terrible things at me. Do you know that she had over 30 aliases on her name, which shows me she had tons of attachments on her? Oh, yeah. I looked at her Facebook. She had her picture was inverted, which means, you know. (laughs) you know what an inversion means she's like mm-hmm. there's other forces that are not good that are working through her you know she could praise Jesus all she wants but yes. when you got those, you know other forces working through you mm-hmm. and everybody on her Facebook was one color so I was like oh that's interesting so I I looked also on her um what else did I do I uh oh I looked up her name what the meaning of her name was because I do a lot of research and like I said I was telling you before there's a lot of myth and, and stuff her name meant evil queen that was oh, one wow. of the locations evil queen and I was like wow wow I can't make this stuff up you know
1: that's
0: right so I immediately was like I gotta get out of here you know and <laughs> found a real estate agent made plans to move um they were so instigatory, like they used to instigate things with me on purpose mm-hmm. it's like I would keep away you know I hadn't been at my place for almost two months and I came back one night they were parked in my spot and I'm just like why would you do that you know you know you have beef with me but you're still you know li- you know it- it's just ridiculous Mm-hmm. And um and so many things. And this is how you know you have bad forces working against you. Mm-hmm. The tow truck wouldn't tow them. Okay, so I had the tow truck guy knock on their door to come move. They got fuming mad. They started interrogating me. I tried to leave. They got in front of my car. Were screaming, wanting me to run them over the cameras that I had put up because I used to be on the board didn't work. Wow. The police wouldn't come. It was wild. I was like, this is demonic. This is not right.
1: It, it is. There are other forces at
0: that work. That's for There's sure. Other forces at work there. And um, you know, I, and so I would stay at my other place uh, and until it sold. And I I remember I was getting a contract that I had to go back to LA for. And it was just like, I was like, I don't know. This is not feeling good. This is not feeling good. This is, I don't want to go stay there. You know, if I don't have to Mm -hmm. until it sells, I was on a a zoom meeting with this medical director who was like older than God. Right. He kept saying, (laughs) but don't you just want to stay in Palm Springs? Don't you just, he kept saying that over and over and over again, I was like, no, I can make it work. You know, I, I only work a couple of days here. It's only going be, to be a couple of days for you guys. N- don't worry about it. And then I was like, so then I processed it and I was like, wait a minute, I need to stay here, you know, mm-hmm. for my sake there. That's a message. So do you get that? Like people will come and they'll give you a message. Like it's like a, a subconscious thing. Like they don't even know that they're doing it, but you get that message
1: Yes, that's true. And also, you know, sometimes too, you know, you're thinking of a person and then the next thing you know that you haven't seen in forever. And all of a sudden you run into them. It's a similar, yeah, it's on that same line, a little bit different, but on that same line, but yes, absolutely. I do. I agree with that. And I'm sorry for fixing my headband. I I should, I should have worn, I should have worn a regular headband, but I've got this stretchy thing on. And it's it's like, it's like riding up on my head, pulling my hair back. So, Um, I'm just adjusting it, hoping that it will stay in place. Next time I'll wear a regular one.
0: Yeah, no, it looks good. It looks good. But (laughs) yeah, Um, so do you believe, so what is going on? So there are people who can intuit and who can pick up things. And there are people who just are shut down. You know, some people can call them like non-player characters or whatever for like in a simulation video game type of situation. Do you think it's like people who can pick up different frequent? Are we living on a different vibration? I I think we're almost living on a different dimension than other people are.
1: You know, my belief is too, and I agree with that. Um, my belief is too is that we are in we are incarnates. We did not reincarnate for this lifetime. We volunteered and chose to come in, and we. Being incarnates put us kind of at a higher level energetically. So the way that it works on the other side is that you, volu- you, you, you you're asked, then you volunteer, then you're asked. So they like pick it's like a three-step process before you, you come here. But we all have volunteered to come here at this time for this exact reason of all of these things that are going on right now. And the thing about it is is because of that our lights are very, very bright. They're very big. Our art fields are, are like three times the size of everybody else's. So souls can see that. Demons can see that. And they want to dub out the light. Yep. So they're also drawn to it if they're lost souls and things like that because they think that we're angels. But that, I think that that's part of the reason it is. We, we, we are from a different level because we have met many of our goals already on the other side.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, we, we didn't have to come back. We chose to come back.
0: Yeah, I think that's so interesting. And I think that in nursing, maybe one of the biggest problems I know for me, when I went back working in a hospital, let's say I was working at a children's hospital. It was okay because we were, I was in one specific unit that wasn't part of the whole hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of like an ambulatory care type of unit um, where we would just prep patients for surgery. But then I went to go work for a county hospital and I felt like I was getting suffocated.
1: Oh, you know? I bet.
0: Especially one of the buildings that was shut down and it was the old, uh, county hospital. Um, I had to go in there to get keys once and, oh my God, I, I felt like someone was suffocating. I couldn't even, you know, um, and, uh, and there many nurses talked about how haunted it was, you know, and, um, and it was a trip, but yeah, um, I think nurses need to learn spiritual and psychic defense. You know, I agree. I, I think this is what one of the, because we talk about burnout, burnout, burnout. Okay. Well, what is actually going on? I, I mean, I, I feel that nowadays people go into nursing, not realizing that they're actually taking care of um, very sick people, sick mm-hmm. people who are having also moral and spiritual crisis as well. That's true. So what you need to do is you need to be morally and spiritually strong as well. Cause if you're not, you're going to be screwed. So I that feel that that's also what is going on. What do you think?
1: I agree with that. And people too, um, they don't acknowledge the fact that they have an arc field. Although we all, you know, w- when somebody's in your bubble, you can feel it. And the thing about it is it's so important to keep that healthy and strong because attachments will bounce off of you instead of attach. If you have a healthy one, if you've got cracks in your window shield, they will get in. So it's so important that people take their salt baths. Uh, that they that they do their prayer and their ritual in connection with with whatever they their god their higher power whatever they want to you know call it there are different names for it it's all the same thing the collective consciousness whatever you want to call it but it is so important that you maintain your energy field and you do that through through prayer through like i said the salt baths are so important to to you know revitalize i mean in some cases if some people have very very thin fields because they've been worn down by by uh souls trying to connect with them by even people's negative thoughts and words toward them and talking behind their back that it hits against that um that field and they need to understand that they're and you know they exercise to be healthy they eat well you know to be healthy they they um You know, go to their counselor for their mental health sometimes if they need it. But they don't pay attention to their energy body. And that is where the attachments attach and get through to attach. So that is, it is very important to do that as well.
0: Yeah, I mean... I was social distancing even before it was a thing, you know, and I had mm-hmm. one of my friends would make fun of me all the time. He's like, you have this thing with boundaries. And I go, I do. I, my Taurus field is I am very, very sensitive, you know, to now where I was slowly, slowly weeding out certain people and I can't even have people who are smoking pot anymore near me. I was like, this has to be a no go, you know, mm-hmm. because there are some people who, Smoke pot all the time, like a cigarette. And I'm just like, that is the worst thing ever, you know? Uh, and because number one, it is affecting your level of consciousness. So and it's a gateway. And it's a gateway too. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I, I was like, you know, this has been one of my biggest problems as well, you know, even people you know, I met some guy who was like, oh, I have to do CBD gummies because I'm anxious. And, and I was just like, yeah, no, it's not a, a, that's, that's a no go for me. You know, I mean, sure. If you do it every once in a while, I have a problem with it. You know, I drink alcohol in moderation. I'll have like a a cocktail every once in a while and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But if you're drinking every night too, you you know, so I, uh, you know, cause I started to see these like men that I was dating, like first you know you uncover and then you're like my god you're drinking all that what's wrong with you you know and they had all these attachments and um like their tattoos and stuff like Mm -hmm. i I started to get real savvy on certain tattoos that people had like anytime a guy had a joker tattoo Mm -hmm. i was like oh yeah no no go you know so, um, I want to talk a little bit about suicide. I had sent you, I don't know if you looked at that link of the I did. young nurse who I believe she was 26 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody has been uh sharing her story, and basically, she was a young nurse, I, I guess she was a new grad, and um, she decided to take her life and she left this suicide note behind um where she was blaming her suicide on the hospital system or the manager and to me they said that the story is that the family found the suicide note and went ahead and decided to get it published so they published it in i don't know if it was a paper or what that was and they're like look look how bad the um, hospital system is and and yes there are an increased number of nurses and doctors who are taking their lives, you know, but I mean, what what do you think of that case in particular of the girl? I thought that it was scripted. I, I didn't think that she wrote that. Um, it, uh, And then I think something else was going on with her. Like maybe she was bipolar or she had some other issues that uh, may have not been, anybody had been aware of or maybe they were aware of and you know cuz if it's like if that is not a good fit for you you know you just need to leave i mean i've been into some horrible situations i worked with a serial killer at one point you know and i kept bringing people like hey hey you know this guy something's a little bit weird and it turned out he ended up killing uh over 50 people and also he started the other respiratory therapist started to copycat off of him. And one of them actually killed one of my patients who I kept seeing on the side of my bed. He would come Mm. and and visit me and he'd be like, why did you let me die? Why did you? And I just was like mortified until last year I had a woman on and we were talking about serial killers and I, you know, uh, went and did a little bit more of a deep dive and I found some articles that there were copycats and and there was a, a, a respiratory therapist that had gone into the room right before this guy coded, you know, so I, and, and I was taking care of 13 patients that night and I was only like 25, 26 years old myself. But, mm-hmm. you know, what do you think about that case?
1: You the- know, um, I think that the note may have been written by her. However, it was embellished. That's where I think the scripting part came in. Okay, so I do think that there were some additives to that. The thing about it is, is again, with the ARC field and having needing to protect ourselves. I also do believe, like you said, that there must have been some bipolar or something else going on there manic depression, right, because of the way that she was metabolizing mentally what was happening to her type thing. But also, I like that word
0: metabolizing. And we could we could talk a little bit more about that. But go go ahead on
1: your thoughts. So but also with her auric field being in the place, she was picking up bits and pieces of things that could have been wearing away at that and giving her also, you know, schizophrenia, they say it's coming from the inside of your head. It's not. It's coming from the outside and yes. through the ear. And they could have been souls that were speaking to her and making the situations that she was having trouble with worse than what it was, right. more dramatic, and that might have pushed her to that point. Um, as, you know, as far as suicide and and even the way that it's looked at on the other side, suicide is never, ever, 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 ever supposed to be an option, ever, because of the effect on this side as well as the other side. However, that does not count um, the assisted suicide when somebody's has a terminal illness and they're, at the end, anyway, it is looked at differently. Also, if someone has mental illness and they take their life, it is looked at in a different way as well. If somebody takes their life to get even with their boyfriend or their mother or somebody like that, that's a very selfish act, and they are actually put back into some schooling and put back into a body and sent back into a lifetime that may even be worse than what the one that they had left, so that they can live to that point and beyond. But the thing about it is, is that um, with the, with the mental illness, they, they do understand that ahead of time. And the reason why it's frowned upon so much even on the other side is because of the rippling effect that it creates, both here, because we have contracts, the contracts, we've agreed to do certain things like, for instance, you know, meeting with a person at a certain time that prevented them from having a car accident because you were with them at that moment or, or having a child that's going to have a child that's going to be the president of the United States. All of that is negated of spirits that haven't come in yet. Let's say, for instance, like children, they, then they don't have a vessel to come into and they don't get to complete their work and their contract. And that's why it has a rippling effect of negativity on the other side and why it's frowned upon so. Um, but you don't go to hell because you've committed suicide, but the life that you're put back into if you've done it for selfish reasons is is a living hell in itself. So
0: yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I want to touch up
0: on the digesting of stories, what you had said, metabolizing, mm-hmm. you know, of stuff that's around you, because for me, I could speak to like I would have periods where I would have these ruminations, you know, mm-hmm. and I didn't know why. And they were stuff that was going on around me. And sometimes things will attach into my mm-hmm. subconscious. You know, I had a client, um, I was writing a blog for her and she started speaking to me from the subconscious. So she had many attachments on her. And, um, you know, we agreed on this blog that I was supposed to write for her, uh, in, And for some reason, you know, I wrote it and, um, she kept wanting more of my time. And I kept telling her, listen, that's a consultation. You know, we just, I do not work for you. We only agreed on one blog. You paid Mm me. Here it is. Well, I was teaching a class that I actually ended up canceling and it was a poolside class. And she's like, you're probably teaching your poolside class. And she kept bringing it up and bringing it up and so that's how I knew for sure That Mm -hmm. it was um, something was going on with her, an attachment or something. Because she kept attacking everything I was doing. And I've been doing this stuff for a very long time. And she just started her business. And I I was just like, whoa. She was just way out of control, you know. And um, so, but what had happened was I felt like I had an implant. Mm Mm-hmm because I kept ruminating and ruminating and ruminating and ruminating. She was now in my head and I couldn't get her out. The only way that she, I was able to get her out was I saw that she was on my newsletter and I saw that she del- took herself off of my newsletter. And it was almost like I had to leave a door open so that she could leave on her own, you know? And that's how I saw that. Cause it was intense. And I was like, whoa, I don't know what that girl has on her, but it was not good, you know. And so now I have to, and and it kind of happened again with one of my students one day. She was a second um, repeat student. She took my class a second time, which I was hesitant. I was a little bit on guard. But Mm -hmm. as she was taking my class, I felt like she was violating me. I was being violated. And she Mm -hmm. had been violated. You know, she had told me this story, Um, you know, she, she was an older woman and I just was like, whoa, what, and it felt like she was stealing my stuff, but, but, and she was like talking about it, like, like she was me and it was real, real Mm -hmm. creepy, very, very creepy. And she kept saying, well, I'm not taking your stuff. I don't do this. And I wouldn't know how I go, but you're saying you are. And I go, and I'm not going to go back and forth to you, you know, you could go ahead and people could take my class and go try to start their own thing. I don't care, but this was weird, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and as soon as I got her down and again, she was in my head and I had to process it and I had to get her out, you know, and I, you know, went and I looked and I was like, wow, that's what was going on with her. You know, mm-hmm. she had been, and she had said, she goes, well, this is one of my problems. You know, I don't know people's boundaries and I tend to, you know, and you know, when someone's telling you that stuff, they got something on that, you know, yes,
1: absolutely. And,
0: it, and it's just like, it was, it was the creepiest thing ever. And so, You know, I'm a little bit more, and it it is hard because you just want to talk to someone like, hey, we're cool. We're this, we're that. And for many, many years, I had these instances with these people that would just out of nowhere start attacking. Mm -hmm. you know, but it's Mm -hmm. like in our brains and stories get like this too, where we have to kind of, just like our liver metabolizes everything, your brain has to process this stuff because then it turns into dis-ease, Right.
1: Yes. You know?
0: Can you um, share any stories that you've had or any instances that are? You so- know,
1: um, well, you know, energy vampires, they're all attracted to us anyway. Again, they they sense that light and they come towards us that way. Recently, though, I was uh, my sister passed away and I had inherited her house and there was a lady that was coming over to mow the grass and she constantly had this depression about her. And, um, so I offered to clear her, I offered to clear her field and an attachment came off of her and attached to me Yeah, because I hadn't been walking my talk and taking my salt baths for a little bit. My sister had just passed away, you know, so I was at her house. I was out of my element. You know, there was also some other issues with the house that were uh, draining on me while I was there. So, I kept feeling this thing on the front of me. I could feel my stomach, but I could feel it moving like a baby only on the outside. And it it was, I, and I felt bad. I mean, I, I didn't feel right. I felt off. I was really exhausted. I, I wasn't, I had so much brain fog. I wasn't able to get things done. So finally I called a friend of mine and I said, look, I said, I think I have an attachment on me. And this person does the remote healing and viewing uh-huh. and she came and she says, oh yeah. So she was working on me. I could feel her touching me from a distance. Yeah. And she said that whatever it was had come off of the other person. She says, who have you just recently cleared? And I'm like, well, um, I just, you know, cleared a lady's field that was a friend of my my sister's. And she said, well, she had an attachment and It came off onto you. So and she said and that it was this ugly thing with lots of teeth and that um, it was wrapped around and it had a, a um, how did she put it, an infected root that was going down through my shoulder into my spine and she said you're going to have some pain in your right shoulder after i'm finished well i don't have any pain in my right shoulder normally i usually have issues with my my left side and sure enough the next day i was sore like i had worked out um that but she she managed to get it all but this this kind of thing does you know it does happen and um So you, again, you have to be careful. And it was my own fault because I hadn't taken care of my spiritual energy the way that I normally would have. And that's why it was able, normally it would have come off and had to leave. It would not have come off onto me, but people don't realize when you're in, when you're in a hospital setting and you're taking care of patients, you know, that's already kind of a a negative pull. Right. And so. When you're helping someone that's sick, they are draining on your energy because they can't for one thing, they don't mean to, they can't help it. They, it just automatically happens because you're this healing person and they're in need of energy because they're fighting whatever illness that they are, because it does shift that way. And um, so it just, yeah, you know, nurses definitely have to take very, very good care of themselves. And also have somebody to talk to. You know, you and I are fortunate because we have people like we can reach out to each other. We can right. reach out to other people to validate us and to help us out when we have, you know, a suspicion about something that they can then take care of. But most people will walk around carrying these attachments, yep. not even realizing there they keep building up and building up and building up and um, until they themselves get sick.
0: Yeah. Yeah we were talking a little bit about curses, you know, and elementals. I kind of want to go over that because um, I was dating someone once and I just kept intuiting. I mean, just, there's so many weird things happening in his life and I go, Oh, you have a curse of the furies, you know, hell Mm -hmm. hath no fury is a woman scorned, which was very, very interesting. So let's talk a little bit about how curses work because it's so interesting. it, you could be like, oh yeah, someone went to a voodoo priestess, but it can also be words. You know, if you're in an yeah, abusive thoughts, home, mm-hmm. it could be thoughts and, and it's it could be that subconscious programming over and over again. It could be going into a negative work environment over and over again, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it and it works as like subjective objectives. So it 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 has to have like there has to be already something in you that you're believing and pulling in for it to actually put into play, you know, um, ha- have you had those experiences or, you know, what can you talk about?
1: Yes. And I will say, and, and again, your art field is important into to play. Um, I had, I have a boyfriend who had broken up with this woman who thought that she belonged to him. And I mean, I w- I was having urine dumped all over, my parking space is in front of where wow. I was living, where, where you couldn't get out of the front seat or back seat without stepping in it. She was leaving pig's feet oh. on the doorstep with, tied with, with um, thread and things like that. She was doing moon magic. Wow, she, she put, was intense. Yeah, she, oh. and, yeah, and she actually oh. put liquid glass in the radiator of my vehicle while it was parked in front of my oh boyfriend's my house. It caught fire while I was driving at home on the interstate. Fortunately, the engine stopped her. It would have killed me. You know, so um, but she was intense, but she is constantly doing acts that I can feel, you know, that yeah. that um, that I can feel that she's doing. And it's not that I'm thinking about her and calling on it, but I also have to have I also have to be aware. You have yeah. to be aware and pay attention to to your energetic field also, because people do, you know, it's thoughts, it's the negative, it's the jealousies, it's, you know, all of those things that they send in that, um, you know, or those little thoughts in that moment that they're, that they're angry at you, or they they don't like you, or who does she think she is, or that sort of thing, all of those things count. And also, if you are around a person that's, that's angry, Mm -hmm. internally, that hasn't dealt with their anger issues, or things like that, um, you can also pick up on that, too. But um, the thing with with curses, um, you know, they can work. The 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 uh, how, what's the wording I'm looking for? The strength I can't think of a word depends on you of how much you allow yeah. it to affect you. So, and that's where that part comes in um, that that Ursilia um, was saying is that um, you know you have to you you don't want to focus on it, but you do need to be aware of it. And you do need to, you know, do things, uh, continue with your prayer, continue with your baths right. to prevent that. You know, another thing recently, too, and it's a little bit off the beaten path that I realized is when my sister passed away, she wanted to have her ashes placed in the ocean. And of course, the elemental that was living in her house was putting all of this negative energy and stuff towards her. So she was having some depression, she was having some anger, and all those sorts of things. But when I was carrying her ashes to the ocean in the box that they came in, this negative pull was radiating um, from her box. And what I realized in that moment is, when we leave our bodies to go cross over, we leave not only our body But of course, the negative emotions are left there, the disease is left there, curses are left there, all of that is left in those ashes or in that body that is left behind. And it was so strong that I ended up having to take the ashes and put them in a a sand pail to carry away from my body. And then I walked into the ocean and let her go. But my concern is, is a lot of people want to wear a pendant with a little bit of their mom's ashes or a little bit of their brother's ashes or their dog's ashes, and the dogs not so much because they usually don't have those emotional problems that people do, or those kinds of things. But people don't realize, yes, it's familiar, but it's the it's the familiar it's negative atoms, things. But,
0: but it's still atoms, even though yes. it's ash, it's still active atoms, it's still energy. Yes. You know, I, I did a clearing for a friend once, and I kept feeling mm-hmm. this weird energy in his room. And he kept clearing out boxes, kept clearing out stuff. And then one day he calls me and he's like, I really think you need. And I was like, this is not a joke, is it? Because, you know, because my friends would joke about stuff. They would call me booha mm-hmm. and all this stuff, you know. <laughs> and um, so I was like, you're really serious, right? Because we're going to do this. And he's like, yeah. So I went in there and I noticed that on across from the corner where he was having this activity, this weird, you know, and it felt like, um, a disincarnate spirit. Um, Mm -hmm. on the other side, he had the wall of death where he had, um, his dog's ashes, the cross on his mother, on his grandmother's, um, coffin was there. Mm -hmm. And then a picture of his mother, which he did never got along with, you know? So I was like, yeah, this is all energy, you know, so we got to disperse it. Uh, so he took all that stuff out and I go, don't keep this in your bedroom where you sleep, you know? Yeah, exactly. And and I, and I was part of a group at that time where that I could go back and kind of ask questions and stuff. And, and so they were saying, oh, it was probably the energy you were feeling was coming off of the ashes because those are still atoms, you know, that is still energy going, even though it's ash, it is atoms. It is still matter, you know? So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, you're still carrying around that energy. I mean, whether exactly. It's bad, it's still infecting, it, it's, it's messing with your auric field. You know? Yep,
1: you've got, you've got mom with you, but you've got her depression and her cancer with you <laughs> is what you've got. So right. with that being in mind, you know, you you might want to think separately, you know, about wearing, you know, wearing the ashes, so, and that was something interesting that I that I realized and learned with, with my sister's things. And I wanted to convey that to people because a lot of them do wear the jewelry and things like that after somebody has passed away. Yeah.
0: So, and you were saying there was like a, I, I was watching you on one podcast where you were talking about an elemental because she had a rock in there. <laughs> and it was very attached to this rock. And yes. it was kind of like a troll type, a little figure
1: thing that you saw. Yes. Um, I have never... You know, I never, you know, I I hear people talk about elementals, but that wasn't my forte. Right. You know, I was, I would, I would see dead people. That's my forte, you know, type thing. And I see attachments and those sorts of things, but those people deal with the elementals, you know, that's, uh, I'm good. But when I purchased my sister's house, um, I didn't purchase, I mean, I inherited my sister's house and went there, there sitting in the living room, I after my sister passed away, of course, a lot of um, familiar spirits will come around at that time, right after her death. So I saw my father present to my my sister's living room coming through the doors of this family room. And he had on these ugly golf pants and a shirt. And I'm thinking to myself, why on earth would you be dressed in that? You know, on the other side, we hated that on, on when you were here on earth, why would you want to wear that yeah. on the other side? And then I found in, in her room a picture of my dad in exactly that outfit. What a and trick. then I saw her uh-huh. present in the room also. And she always shows up in a white t-shirt, a, a, a women's t-shirt with cap sleeves. Uh-huh. But the feeling was off. It didn't feel like her energy. So I I told my, my brother, not my brother, I'm sorry, my son, I said, you know, we have some problems here. I think I think that there's a ghost here that might be shift changing or something that's shift changing here because of the negative yeah. pull that's in here. So we need to clear the house. So the next time that I came back to the house, I came with all of my stuff to do a clearing. And I do a fire clearing is what I use um for my clearings. And uh I'll be happy.
0: But the um, is it alcohol and and um I do the Epsom salt, alcohol, and I light it on fire. Is that what you call a fire? Is that what you do?
1: There's more than that, uh-huh. but I don't want to say, I'll tell you in private, yeah, yeah. but I don't want to say it in film because I, on this video, because I don't want somebody to try it at home no and burn their house down. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to use it, you need to know what you're doing. Exactly. So, and that's the important part. Um, so there are some more components that I use as well. Mm-hmm. However, it didn't work well. That's my go-to when nothing else works because the the fire sucks the air in. Yeah. So it'll suck the spirit forms in and they end up in the bottom of the pan. Right. So I called, you know, a friend of mine. I said, look, you know, um, it didn't work. Um, and just to back up a little bit, my son, my son and I were standing at the top of my sister's stairs and we see this little thing just under three feet tall walk past both of us. And my son says, did you just see Hogwarts go by? <laughs> and because it looks like the banker on Hogwarts is what it right. looks like. You oh, know, wow. with the nose and yeah, everything. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I did. And then Control. it comes walking past a second time back into the room that it came from, which was the room where the rock was. And then he, he comes out a, th- a third time. And this time there's the ectoplasm is building up in the hallway. And I oh, could wow. see these floating heads of, of, dis, of um, disembodied souls that he had been collecting, that he would almost carry like balloons that oh. were his entertainment and that he would draw energy off of from, you know, before time. And people have to realize with elementals, elementals were here when the earth was created. So they were here even before religion. So the right. religious things that you would normally use to clear a house, don't work with them because they don't have to leave. So, um, I, that's what I had that's what I was dealing with, um you know, in her house. but the thing was is that um this uh, this creature he, he loves he they, they hate people. For one thing, when they were created, it was during the time of also the giants. They were the guardians of of the forests and things like that. They helped the Native Americans, but then the Native Americans kind of started feeding them to the giants. and there are all different stories about it, and there are different types. Um, I thought mine was a puck wedgie, but I guess I'm not in the geographically correct space for it. Somebody had mentioned that it was a Bogart, but I had two of my friends that do remote viewing do remote viewing in the house so that I could validate one and the other. And they were both dead on talking about a room behind the kitchen with a um, like a portal type thing because there was a family room behind the kitchen, but there was an understair storage that then led up to the third bedroom where the rock was. So he would travel up and down that and um, come to find out that uh, there was a rock in the room that was his that I almost threw away. Thank God I didn't, that he wanted. And we were told to take it outside and put it in the shed. But as my son was carrying the rock out the front door, that little thing was behind him flinging vines at his legs to wrap around his legs, trying to stop him with the rock. And of course, I opened the door and released a lot of the souls that he had to let them go. The funny part was too, is to back up is um, I have a half sister um, named Mary, and she was sleeping in the room upstairs that was my sister's room. And she something kept waking her up and waking her up. And when she opened her eyes, she saw this wreath of these heads and faces floating over her. Well, I had seen the same thing in the hallway after she had left. And I realized that that little thing is so short, it must have been standing next to her bed doing things to wake her up. And he had his balloons with him, so to speak, that were floating high over, which is what she saw. Wow. But, um, oh, wow. And the elemental is still there. Uh, my son is actually at the house right now. i actually met him at the gate uh, when he came in. And um, we are appeasing it with treats and alcohol and tobacco and we've <laughs> yeah. uh, trying to i mean you can't make them leave you know um it's and but it's not our fault there was a house built on its land so you have to appease them until you can either leave you know sell the house or decide to live in it with him there but you but it, it again it's that negative pull that is constantly on you i believe that he was grooming part of the reason why my sister got so sick at the end was because of him, because she went into the hospital with sepsis and then they overfilled with oh, wow. fluids and she died of um, respiratory distress. She went into CHF, even though the death certificate says that she died of ovarian and breast cancer, neither of which she had at the time of her death.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She had a history of it, but she hadn't had it in yeah, years. It
0: wasn't the cause.
1: No, it was not the cause. The cause was that they overfilled her with 65 pounds of fluid in seven days because she went from 132 pounds to 199.6 pounds. Wow. And she went into respiratory distress and she couldn't breathe. So yeah, but they don't want to own that one because, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, of
0: course it could be that insurance. Purpose- oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. They
1: don't want to own that one. So, um, anyway, a lot of my sister's illnesses and things like that. And the thing was, too, is I found out I was having a yard sale at the house and this lady comes over and she makes mention that she knew some people that lived in the house previously. And the thing about these elementals are is because of their negativity, they can interfere with your finances. Yeah, they can interfere. They'll ruin your relationships. Um, you know, they can do a lot of the. they can make you sick. They can do they can even cause death. In some cases, my sister died. Um, They can do these things. And so this lady was telling me that she knew, like, the third person before my sister bought it. And she said that those people bought it out of foreclosure. Then they foreclosed on the house, which the person that sold it to my sister bought it out of foreclosure, then sold it to my sister. But my sister paid cash for the house. So she didn't have, you know, the more that it tried to strangle her financially, the more stuck there she was. Whereas everybody else bailed, you know, because they owed a mortgage. And in her case, she did not. But um, I believe, you know, he was grooming her, she actually coded on her kitchen floor. And I, wow, they, yeah, they sent her home from the hospital without oxygen, go figure, she was in active respiratory distress, and she coded on her her um, kitchen floor and because she didn't have any end of life directives in place of course we had to call the ambulance and have, you know, them come and they resuscitated her. And I saw her spirit come out of her body, but it was standing next to her body. And then I saw her go back in. So I knew she was, you know, uh, they were going to take her to the hospital and help her. But um, I believe that if she had died in that house, she would have been one of his balloons. I really do. I think he was grooming her to collect her as one because they can do that. They hate us. When when my son and I um, finally had, first of all, too, it would leave little dirt tracks on the floor. And I kept sweeping up these tracks. And I'm like, I just swept it last night. Nobody's been in the kitchen at all until just now I'm getting up to get a cup of hot tea. And there would be those little dirt tracks again i mean they were they were long and and peaking so this was him also because he would come in you know he would leave things and then he would throw glass on the floor he would he would hide um clothing um things as well yeah they do that too
0: they do that they hide stuff yeah
1: yep yep they they do glasses right
0: before and i was looking for them and i do the prayer to saint anthony and i found them boom and i
1: was like there you go yep the stupid headband uh, anyway, um so um when we were getting we had told it that we were gonna be there that it needed to stay out in the shed area, we gave it its rock back. Uh we were leaving it beignets and rum and uh-huh. stuff like that. So it was staying out there, but then there was a leak in the plumbing, and I had to get a plumber to come, so we ended up having to stay one more day. So when we came back that afternoon after getting some lunch. He was grumbling in the house like the Tasmanian devil is what he would sound like. He would grumble and you could hear him. And so we had to send him back out again because, you know, we were there for one more day. But when we went to leave the following day, it was in the morning and my son had started both of the vehicles, my vehicle and his vehicle. And he was trying to put my cell phone charger in, into the correct place for me so that I wouldn't have to worry about it because I was driving my sister's truck and I wasn't used to the vehicle. And all of a sudden we hear F-bombs, oh, like wow. three in a row, F-bomb, F-bomb, F-bomb. And I thought my, it was my son. And I asked him, I said, why are you, why are you cussing? I thought maybe he pinched his finger or something. You know, he said, that wasn't me. And then all of a sudden we hear F-bomb, F-bomb, F-bomb. It was coming from that shed. That thing was standing in the shed. He was worried that we were going to leave and not give him the treat that we promised if he was good and stayed outside. He was afraid we were going to leave and not give it to him. So my son went in and gave it to him. But he stayed in there, you know, as long as we would give him the treats. But otherwise, he would throw glass. Yeah, literally, um, glass was thrown on the floor. My earring's just falling off, too. What is going on? No, it's my thing. So... But this is my first time dealing with one. I will be writing a book. Yeah, that would be om-
0: really interesting. Elemental in theories yeah. and see if anybody else has stories.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's, that's a when, good
0: one for a book.
1: Yeah, I'm good. There's supposed to be five books in total in my Omnipresent series by the time it finishes. The one that I'm going to write for that one is uh, Omnipresent Gnome Place Like Home. So instead of No Place Like Home, and I'm going to talk about it because, you know, this is a real problem. You think that it's demons or ghosts in your house, and it may not be, and they can shift change. They can also turn into animals, which is interesting, too, because, yes, the things that we would leave out there were eaten. Um, My son left a cigar out there, and there were teeth marks in it. Now, an animal's not going to try to eat a cigar, but they can shift change into all kinds of animals, and then that's how they eat it, is how it was explained to me by someone who knows a lot more about elementals than I do. But I'm learning,
0: yeah, so talk yeah. About the be one really, I
1: mean, I had no idea, I had that no idea. It should
0: be really interesting research. I mean, we see elementals like in Disney movies, I think they even put out a movie called Elemental. Um, and then we, uh, Peter Pan has Tinkerbell, you know, that's mm-hmm. an elemental. Yes,, stuff. so those things, it's like, where did they come from? Did people just make them up? No, yeah. I do believe, you know, I've heard people talk about fairies, but especially, I think more in like Scotland area mm-hmm. uh, and stuff. So, um, yeah, I do believe there are like pesky little critters around. and and again, it's all about your energy, too, and keeping yourself clear. Um, and just living more of a virtuous life, which i I think and and it's just like, you know, do good, not to overly obsessively do good to people, you know, um, but always mm-hmm. protect yourself first and and
1: absolutely you
0: gotta use force to protect yourself. and that's okay, you know, because you see a lot of these like romance scammers you know and Mm -hmm. uh, there was something that you said in one of your videos where you did make an agreement with that person that entity and and that's why these curses and these things keep going because you have Mm -hmm. some type of an agreement you know some people will call it oh you're blaming the victim well not really you you are you know you you did want to play their game it's like someone that goes hey you want to play you know when you don't want to play anymore then you have to put an abrupt end to it and be like "Hey, I'm done boom this was not what I thought it was I'm done you know there have been uh times where I felt like I've been put under a trance you mm-hmm. know and I had to really look at that um and I'm writing a book on conscious dating I'm like what is it inside of me that is going on you know, and I really had to uncover what was going on. Again, these guys either could have had attachments. These guys, a lot of them were dopamine addicts too, that they were just doing it for the hit. You know, they were just texting, 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 because they were getting a hit and there was nothing going on with me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I had to look at that object objectification of me. I was like, Hey, am I being treated like a person or am I being treated like an object? And I have to do that because it shifts my consciousness and it throws whatever's trying to get on me away, you know? So I do a lot of mental stuff to where it shifts it and then it just evaporates and dissipates and goes away. Um, but it, it it is pretty wild. So
1: it is. And, you know, and and some of the stuff like you had made mention too. you know, people focus on it, it kind of comes into your realm more. Right. But sometimes stuff like that elemental happens totally out of the blue. I mean, I never think about elementals. Yeah, my sister has crossed over and I am, um, I have Katie Turner is my go to for psychics. If ever I need one, I don't know if you've met her before. But she's excellent. And she's, I had a reading with her recently and she said that my sister came through and she said, did you see him? Did you see him? Did you see him? (laughs) Because even she didn't realize that it was an elemental. She knew that there was something in the house because she used to talk about it. Wow! And she thought that it was a ghost in the house or somebody sending curses being put on her. And so she had all of this, um, the evil eye and all of this stuff around her bed for protective purposes. And it wasn't working because of that it was the elemental and not not a spirit although he did have spirits with him but um and the thing about an elemental versus a spirit when you go in to clear a house is a lot of times the spirits especially the demonic ones they'll hide or poltergeist even for that matter and they're different will hide and they'll wait a day or two for you to be in there doing your stuff before they start to present an elemental will present right off the bat yeah you know, and then start creating havoc and people will assume that it's a ghost and it's not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. Well, this has been such a fun discussion, especially for our uh, Halloween episodes. Where can people find you, Lynn? And where can people read your book? Because I downloaded your book, uh, The Omnipresence, uh, the first one, which was really, really good. So where can people find
1: you? Um, I have a website, com. I also can be found on Twitter and all of the, you know, the X and Facebook and all of the usual places that you can find. I have some of my books on Amazon. I have all of my books, most all of my books on my website. Amazon kind of has uh, taken my books and run with them. So I would, it's not yeah, about the money. they don't give you that much
0: money. Yeah, they don't,
1: Yeah. yeah. I
0: would buy them from you specifically. Yeah. I
1: downloaded yours. Well, and I, and I'll sign them and personalize them too. And it's not about the money. It's about getting the information out there, but if you are going to buy it, I kind of like to think that you would want it signed and personalized yeah, and that sort of thing. Um, also, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be shooting a segment in January, January 12th um, for Beyond Belief. The show awesome. Beyond Belief.
0: Yes, I love yeah. Beyond Belief.
1: Yeah, I will be on there. Um the segment is being shot in January, but of course it will come up later in the year. Excellent. So um, and I'm getting ready. Uh another uh producer's talking about doing a documentary on my colors of heaven, which Ooh. is a as there is a dark side to the paranormal, there's also a light side to the paranormal. Colors of heaven is a beautiful story about death, dying, and afterlife. I wrote it hoping to take the stigma of death and dying away for people. We don't die. We really just shed our skin and go on. It's it's not, uh, you know, and it's not the last time that you're going to see your loved one. You will see them again. So with that understanding, I and mean, some of the things it talks about, some of the things that happen physically and spiritually, because I can see both sides as a person's transitioning. It talks about how that all works and things like that. Um, You know, and a lot of times the medical field, when they start, when a patient starts talking about seeing loved ones in the room or seeing people in the room, they assume that they're hallucinating. And sometimes they can even start seeing those things like a year in advance. And they're not hallucinations. They are seeing their loved ones coming in because I can see them too. So I hope that it brings comfort to people to read that book. And in all of my books, there's always a self-help area in the back. Um, you know, for different things. I'm just getting ready to release the third book. It's my fifth book, but it's the third book in the Omnipresent series called 111 Bekkadon Drive. And I have written a book called The Gap, What Else Your Adolescent and Teen Needs to Know. I had two counselor friends of mine. I was looking for a book for my daughter. I have had a late life baby at 46. I've got two grown children, but I've got a 14 year old at home. And um, I was looking for a book for her with more things in it, you know, about how things are done now, like, you know, going on a date, put your phone away, you know, type thing because these young kids will sit across from each other and they're both on their phone. So, um, but it talks about um, everything, it it talks about what to do if a condom breaks. It talks, you know, about different things like that, Um, putting your dishes away dry. There are a lot of things in it, everything from human trafficking on down the line and how to say no and set good boundaries. So I went ahead and I wrote that because we couldn't find one filling in that gap. So I've written that as well. Good job.
0: Awesome. Well, maybe we'll have you on again talking about your um, book about the other side, you know, and uh, talking about what happens when you pass on. So, but this is, I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. This has been super fun. Thank you so much. And thank till-
1: you so much. And I'm sorry, my headband, I was like fixing it the whole time. No worries. So you look beautiful. My head. Oh, awesome. thank you. Thank, thank you. You so look much. beautiful. Thank All you right. so much for having me. I yes, really, really appreciate it. Fun. Awesome.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening to our Nurses and Hypochondriacs podcast. We love your support and we love our listeners. If you have some spare change, go ahead and throw some to us on our Venmo at Nurses in HypoCon. Also, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love that. And if you'd like to be a guest, go ahead and send us an email at nursesinhypochondriacs at gmail.com.